Good morning and welcome to New Hope Church Online. I'm Jadina and this is Pastor Marsha. Good morning. How are you doing, Jadina? Great, thank you. I can't believe that we are halfway through the first month of the new year, but we do have some things to share with you. That's right. And one of the things that we'd like to share is that we are still continuing our Rooted and Growing groups. And it helps you to continue growing. And um, I love when the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And it's in conversation with others that sometimes we get to find out some things that we need to um, adjust or change in our own lives. Or just things that we need to learn that'll help us to grow in our relationship. One of the um, groups that we have coming up starts on January 21st. And it's the Hebrew calendar, God's plan for redemption. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm reading the Old Testament, I look at it and I go, man, God gave the Jewish people so many different times to celebrate so many different festivals. But as we study it and look at it, those festivals were actually God laying out his plan for all of mankind, for Israel, but also for all of us. So if you're interested in learning about that, be sure to check out our um, page on our website. Check out the discipleship page. You'll find there a listing of all the current Rooted and Growing groups. You'll also find out this group and then how to sign up for the Zoom. We also have Right Now Media, and Right Now Media is a good tool to help you to continue your walk in Jesus. They have lots of Bible studies to help you in all aspects of your life. Also, if you have children, this is another good opportunity for them as well. They have videos to watch that will entertain them in a positive way. So for more information, you can text right now NHH to 41411. That's right. And one of the things I love about Right Now Media is that you can actually um, watch it together with your friends um, and do a small group like that. And speaking of doing a small group, we actually have home groups. And some of you are watching our service right now with a home group. And what home groups are, it's your circle of friends, people that you're close to, people that you're in contact with all the time that um, you can gather together you can, and watch services in one location and then afterwards you can discuss it and the thing is home groups are for anybody they're um, a way to connect with our friends and family and to continue watching the services and if it's something that you're interested in doing go ahead and visit our discipleship page and you'll find out the information on how to sign up for a home group and how to be able to host one or if you are already hosting a home group you know that if you sign on 15 minutes early to our services pastor sheldon is continuing to um, give us training an insight on how to host our home groups. And if you've missed any, you can always go to our YouTube channel and um, catch up on some of the training back there. But we don't just have home groups for our um, adults because we want them to grow. We also have something for our kids. So, Jadina? Yes, talking about children's, our children's ministry has been working super hard on putting together lessons and activities for your children. You can check out our children's page on our website or visit our Instagram at nhmarvelouskids. Thank you so much, Jadina, for being a part of this. Um, we're going to get ready to give right now. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to start off by thanking you. I want to thank those of you who have been giving during the season and those of you who maybe have just started giving. And your giving is in obedience to God, and it's also trusting Him. But it also allows us to be creative in how we bring the gospel to others. Because our heart is that we would be able to reach those far from God one relationship at a time. And, you know, one of my favorite stories is um, during this season, you know, we are doing our services online and we have hosts, you know, we're hosting online and first service while I'm hosting on the YouTube channel, there's actually somebody from our church whose um, family lives in California. So her father joins her from California along with an aunt and along with a sister and they get to come online first service. They watch the services together. 
they're they're not the only family. There's so many other stories like that. People watching from other countries, people that are watching with their family and friends, or inviting family and friends, saying, "Hey, come check this out." And all of that is made possible because of your obedience and your trust in God. So I want to say thank you to you for doing that. And we're going to get ready to pray. But if you want to give, you'll see that come up right below us and how you can give. Um, but let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. We are so grateful to be a part of your kingdom. We're grateful that we get to partner with you um, and do what it takes to build that kingdom. And so, Lord God, I ask that you would receive the tithes and offerings that are coming in, whether they're coming in online, whether they're coming in in the mail, that you would receive those, Lord God, and then you would use it to continue to expand your kingdom, to move it forward. And Lord God, we know that we live in a time when people need hope. They need to know that your kingdom is here. And so, Lord God, would you use these tithes and these offerings to advance your kingdom and to bring hope? We pray this all in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, at this time, we want to welcome up Pastor Sheldon as he speaks on resting in Jesus. Yeah, that's so true, Pastor Marsha. Thank you, Pastor Marsha and Jadina, for just letting us know what's happening and for giving us that kind of information because in our day and age, we need to know what's happening so that we can stay connected with God. And so continue to do your very best to, to pursue that relationship with God. And that's what this series is about. We're experiencing, experiencing true life. And the only way we can experience true life, and we talked about this the other week, is only if we head into the direction of the one who is life, and his name is Jesus Christ. Today, as Pastor Marshall was saying, we are going to be talking about resting in Jesus. So just to set the record straight, we're not going to be talking about resting in Jesus in the sense of going to sleep, okay? Just in case some of you were already looking at the title, if you have your notes, because on the, online we have our notes, so you can, you can click on that, that tab, and it will get you to our notes. And you might be thinking that it's about sleeping. And you're going to show your spouse, like, hey, look, the pastor said I'm supposed to sleep, so that's, that's why I sleep more. I need to sleep more. Now, although that may be true for many of us, we need more rest, we're not necessarily talking about physical sleep. Physical sleep helps with the physical body. But there is a rest that the Bible is going to talk about today, and we're going to take a look at that, that will help with our spiritual bodies. You see, when our spiritual bodies are at rest, then our physical bodies will be able to reap the benefits from it. But it doesn't happen the other way around. I may have the best sleep, but it doesn't necessarily change my spirit now it may put me in a better mood having more sleep may keep me awake at times or it it gives my body the necessary energy so that i can study if it's the word of god or read the bible or whatever it is so there are certain benefits to having physical rest but what jesus is going to talk about and what we're going to look at is this the kind of rest that many of us need that we will never get unless we understand what God is talking about when he says to rest in these kinds of ways. In fact, the Bible tells us that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We learned that the other week in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and have life more abundantly. In other words, he wants us to experience true life. He wants to experience his life 
the life that he has for us. Now, if you're reading the Old Testament, and we're going to take a look at a scripture, a passage from the book of Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Isaiah chapter 52. We'll start there. But in Isaiah chapter 52, toward the ending, we find that Isaiah is prophesying perfectly who Jesus would be and what Jesus would do and how Jesus would, would give us a way to live and, and, and how to live that we would benefit from Jesus and the spoils of Jesus, that we receive the blessing of who he is and how he poured out his life unto death, that we receive what he has given to us even when he poured his life unto death. We receive good things from him and spiritual things. Jesus took on our sins and interceded on our behalf before the Father. Now, I might be throwing out these words and you might be thinking, I have no clue what that means. What is interceding? What, is, what does it mean to have the spoils of Jesus? I don't understand what all of that means. Well, to sum it up, basically, we can rest in Jesus. Let's look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 52. I'll read from verses 13 uh, to the end and then go into chapter 53, verses 1 through 12. So it's kind of lengthy, but you're going to hear the bits and pieces of who Jesus is and, 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 and what he is trying to accomplish. But it begins like this. It, it begins in this way, and Isaiah says, See, my servant... So he begins with saying, just take a look at who Jesus is. He begins with being a servant, that, that humble role of a servant. He says, see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now, that's a, those are two differences between uh, positions in an individual. To be that humble as a servant but to also be exalted and highly exalted is, is uh, it's very hard to think of that coming to fruition. Like, how can someone be so humble but yet be in such a highly exalted position? How does that even work? Well, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond, any, beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So, Isaiah begins with talking about Jesus when, when he faces death and he's going to be marred in such a way that he's not even going to be recognizable as a human being. And that's what happened when he went to the cross. He was beaten. Uh, a crown of thorns were put on his head and he was nailed to a cross. He was also flogged with a, a whip. It's called a cat of nine tails. So it's a whip with... Uh, like bone and pieces of metal at the end of the tips of these uh, leather strips. So when they would be whipped or when there was a punishment, it would, it would also uh, rip open their flesh. And that's what happened to Jesus when he was crucified. So Isaiah is already prophesying what Jesus will look like. Well, he said he will be disfigured. So he wasn't even recognizable as a human being. Imagine that. And that's how much pain and suffering Jesus went through. And then when he says, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You know what is interesting is 
especially today, you know, we are doing the 21 days of fasting and prayer along with our denomination, Foursquare, and many of you are doing that. I want to encourage you to keep going. Some of you are, maybe you started and maybe you're, you've lagged behind. That's okay. Get back on track. We are on day 17, and you can follow us on Instagram. We have the prayers along with what we're reading, uh, and it keeps us on track. But we're also praying for the nations. We're praying for the world and how people, even though they may have never heard the gospel, that Jesus would reveal himself to them. Whether it's through dreams, whether it's through uh, another person coming in, missionaries, or just through a person's spirit connecting with God. Again, he's able to do this. But that's what Isaiah is saying. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Like God is going to reveal himself to us. Now he starts, he, he continues, and he says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So basically Isaiah is saying, look, this guy is not like a male model. Jesus is not going to be like a male model. He's not going to be the, the most handsomest person. Which is pretty interesting because Hollywood, anytime they, they, you know, cast a character for Jesus, they're trying to look for a certain look. In fact, my mom, she lives on Oahu, she called me some time ago and she said, Sheldon, you need to watch the new movie about Jesus. I said, really? She goes, yeah. He's so handsome. <laughs> I was like, mom, mom, you know that's not him. She goes, I know, I know, I know, no. But he's so good looking. And then she mentioned the race uh, that he is, or the, the actor, and I forget what the nationality was. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, you know Jesus was Jewish, right? And she goes, yeah, I know. And she goes, don't ruin it for me. He's good looking. I said, okay. If, okay, that's fine. But that's, that's the world we live in. We want the outside appearance. But Isaiah says his outward appearance wasn't anything for us to behold. So it wasn't his looks. That's what Isaiah is saying that attracted us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was familiar with pain. Some of us are familiar with pain, but nothing compared to Jesus. Some of us wake up in pain. Some of us are in pain right now. But like no one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Let's not miss that. When he went to the cross, people looked at that as he's being punished because of the things he was saying and doing by God. And that was it. Look, he's being punished by God. See, good for you that you did. This is the, this is the results, the, the consequences of why you behave uh, for your behavior and, and you acting like that. That's what happens to any of you who act like him. So he was to be an example also. So that's what they were doing while Jesus was being nailed to the cross. They were saying, pretty much, good for you. You deserved this. But Isaiah says, no, no, no. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our wickedness, our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. 
He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? It's interesting that word protest has a, has a totally different meaning for us today. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. We are the many. He justifies us. And he will bear their iniquities. Those are our iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. That's you and I. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The transgressors. Now, let me, let me just break this down because the word breaks into contrast between the former humiliation of who Jesus is and the future glorification of this servant that Isaiah is talking about, who is Jesus. So it begins with humiliation on the cross. And even before that, he would, people tried to humiliate him, ridicule him, try to trap him with saying things that are wrong or against the laws of God. But Jesus, through humility went to the cross. And when he died for us, three days later, after he went to the grave, God raised him to eternal life. So how do we rest in Jesus? How do we benefit from what Isaiah was saying long ago? That here's my servant, he's going to be highly exalted, you're going to reap the spoils of this servant. We're going to look at three things and how we can find rest in Jesus. Here's the first thing, make every effort Make every effort to rest in Jesus. Make every effort. Because we only know as much as we know. So there are many things that we don't know of that I'm going to have to make effort in to get to that place. It takes no effort just to exist. It doesn't take any effort. Have you ever been around people who give no effort they just, like, you got to tell them over and over to do something. They just make no effort. Zero effort. Now, don't look at people around you. Just stay focused because the Lord is going to show us that we, too, can make every effort to rest in Jesus. When Isaiah begins, he says, he says, my servant. He starts with, this is, he says, see, my servant. He's saying, pay attention. Pay close attention. Observe carefully. View all that is happening around you. Examine what is happening in your life. You see my servant? Yeah. Fix your eyes on him. Watch my servant. Watch what he does. Pay attention to his word. That's what Isaiah is saying. Because Isaiah knows that we're going to live in a world that takes all of our attention away from the very thing that we should be attending to. He says, like a root from the parched ground. See, roots, roots don't 
generally grow out of the ground. I mean, there are some roots that they're above the ground, but he's also meaning, listen, when, it's like a root from the parched ground that stems up, that it's growing up. That's what Isaiah is saying, that there's a branch that's growing up. You are to be a part of that. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, the author says, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Still waiting for the people of God. All who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So that shoot that Isaiah is talking about that, that stems up and grows, that's us. We got to grow up. It takes effort for us to rest in Jesus. We have to intentionally make that decision. You know, usually in the new year, we try to do a New Year's resolution. And I, I, I'm on the fence of that one, of a New Year's resolution. I, I liken it to, I, I try to change it just because of the way I think. Because if I do a New Year's resolution, it lasts as long as the new year. And the new year only lasts probably the first or second week. So I have to switch my mentality to a New Year's resolution, to a new life resolution. Because if I'm going to make a decision in the beginning of the year, and I know I need to keep it, then it should be a new life resolution. So with a new life resolution, maybe that's what God is speaking. That in this new life res resolution... I need to do things that bring me closer to resting in Jesus. Then I'm going to make an intentional decision. So when I think of a new life resolution, that word came to me. I was praying and I said, Lord, get, what word can help me for this new life that you want for me? And that was the word intention. He wants me to be intentional. And maybe for some of you, God, wanna, God wants to give you a word too. Maybe he's already speaking a word to you that for this new life that he's given to you, there's a word that he's speaking that will help in this next season as we make every effort to find rest in Jesus. So after God created everything and he found rest, there's a rest that we now can enter in. See, we cannot, we cannot forget who our Lord and Savior is. We just cannot forget that because that's where our identity is. And we definitely must never forget what he's done for us and, and what he's capable of doing and helping us reach our full potential, lest we forget that we can rest in him. Once we forget who he is, then we won't make every effort to find rest in him because we've forgotten who he is. That's why Isaiah is reminding us, this is who I prophesied about, and now you being here in the year 2021, you can look back on the life of the one I prophesied about, bring the two together and see that you can actually find rest in him because he's been through everything. And you can definitely rest in Jesus. You can lean on him. You can, you can find rest for your soul in him. Have you ever been around people who, who have such stability? Let's just say you, you're so tired uh, you, let's just say you ran a race, a physical race, and you're so tired, and you have someone next to you. And, and aren't you just so tired that, that you try to look for something to lean on, and if there's someone next to you, and they're saying, hey, congratulations, or good game, you lean on them or each other. If you watch, like, a football game, maybe some of your teams are playing, 
today or maybe yesterday and sorry it didn't happen but maybe some of your teams are constantly moving on and that's great but if you see someone who's hurt or injured and they're taking them off the field they're leaning on someone sometimes they're carried off that's because they don't have enough energy to carry themselves so when we rest in jesus we lean on him we rely on him and some of us we we we're okay with helping other people but we don't like when we ourselves need the help so when we turn to jesus it's okay it's okay that we're relying on him because that's when we find true rest jesus is able to carry our life we find rest in this relationship with jesus sweaty dirty filthy with our horrible past mistakes our sins and jesus is not like some of us you know when someone is sweaty or dirty or tired and they want to give you a hug and you're like oh, don't, don't, don't touch me don't just get up, go bathe go bathe like don't even don't even breathe by me like we just you're sweaty like that's not jesus he takes our filth our junk our pain and everything and he embraces us we can find rest in him we just can't forget who he is whatever hang-ups we have even negativity he can take that on isaiah says he is gonna build us up he's gonna be the one that takes on our transgressions it's gonna be him the sufferings that jesus endured his his heroic and and silent submission to death we can't do no one else could do no one else could qualify and did qualify for the perfect outcome of eternal life only jesus could do that god diverted the ills that would come on us the 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 consequences of our sin that has fallen on us as a people as a as a, a nation or or the human race the community of of humanity that was supposed to fall on us but jesus took that on and god sent his son to take that on you know in the book of leviticus chapter 16 it talks about what happens and and how god brings intervention when we fall away from god and when we follow our own ways and it says from the israelite community and this is what how god put everything together and, and how he designed us to be able to have this relationship with him he says from the israelite community and the reason why he's speaking to the israelites is because that's god's chosen people and god used the israelites as an example on who we are to be in the world god is going to show us through the israelite community and the israelites that this is who i am as god and israel you are going to be an example to the people of this relationship so he says in this community he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering no one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time aaron goes in to make atonement for make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out aaron was the priest and the tent of meeting was the tabernacle this is where the priest would meet with god in the holy of holies and only the priest could go into the holy of holies having made atonement for himself for himself his household and the whole community of israel so that was the priest's responsibility he would have to go in and make atonement for everyone's sins the entire community atonement to cover over with to to cover over the sin so when the animals were sacrificed the blood was shed because life is in the blood when the animal died the sins were supposedly 
transferred to the animal, and then when the animal died, so did the sin. But atonement was only to cover the sin. It didn't completely wipe out sin. But Aaron, who was the priest, he took the responsibility to make atonement first for his sins, and then the sins of his family, and then the entire Israelite population. So he had to take care of his own sin first because he's a human being and he has sin. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 tells us, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What is this anchor? What is this hope? Well, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So what is this hope? What is this anchor? Well, the author continues, Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever. Not just for the beginning of the year or when you receive salvation. He is the high priest forever. The difference with Jesus and the, the, any other high priest was Jesus didn't have to atone for his own sins because he didn't have any. That plays an important part on how, well, what more we're going to talk about, which brings us to the second thing. How do we find rest in Jesus? We've got to learn from Jesus. Whenever you find someone that is an expert in something, don't you want to learn from them? Have you ever seen these, these commercials that you have like world-renowned uh, musicians or entertainers or, or directors or artists, and the video starts off with their talent and how good they are? Or maybe a basketball player or a sports athlete. And then they end with this. I'm Steph Curry, and this is my master class. Now, they're showing you how they're good at what they do. So they call them a master of that talent. Well, there is one master when it comes to life. And if Jesus were to give a class a master's class, he would give a master's class of life. This is my master class, he would say, of life. And it's resting in him. He is the master at, at life, at rest. When we learn from Jesus, this is, the, this is actual discipleship. When we're able to learn from Jesus, and this year as a church, that's what we're focusing on. How can we be discipled? How can we be discipled by Jesus from one another? How can we disciple others? And I look at it in this way. When Isaiah is talking about transgressions and sins, this is our, this is our ultimate goal. We want to be with God for eternity. And if we're here, I'll write, move it down here so you can see. If we're here, and I'll just, this is just us, mankind, okay? It's interesting that as, as a human being, we want to do well. Tomorrow is Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And what, what was his dream? That we would have unity. That we wouldn't judge each other by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. It's amazing that when we find where we are in our world and even in our nation, even in Hollywood and entertainment, it has reversed. It is no longer the content of character, but it is now by the color of skin. So now it's all about diversity. And if we do a movie, we have to make sure that we have each ethnic group 
I even had a, 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 someone send me something and say, hey, buy these books from these authors because of their race. And they, they highlighted a specific race. And I thought, I want to buy books because the book is good. I want to make sure the book has content. But the world has it opposite. Well, what God does is he doesn't look at any type of outward appearance or race or any type of, of ethnicity. He looks at mankind because there is actually only one race. We know it as the human race. So God created differences in the way we look because he's creative, not to bring disunity. He's just creative. That's why there are different types of uh, uh, parts of creation and how God did things. So God created us, mankind, with a soul, with a spirit that is eternal. Our flesh and where we're from or our nationality, our flesh dies. So whatever we look on the outside is gone when we die. Our spirit lives on. So we are spirit beings with a body, not the other way around. So now, because of sin, I'll just, I'll just use this as sin, all of these black dots. I'll just put these here. And this is sin. So it would be so great if we were always heading in the direction of God and constantly kept this relationship going. But what happens is we are diverted and we head to sin. And we sin. It's, it's in our nature because of when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they sinned, we took on that sinful nature. So now we have all of these sins around us and we, we continue to sin. And once in a while, yes, we'll build this relationship with God and we have this nearness to, with God, but it's only because of Jesus. That's the only way we're able to get to God. Now, this is what happens. Jesus takes care of our sin. So what Jesus does is he says, okay, here's the road that leads you to sin. How about you take this detour and come to me? And instead of going here, take this detour, come to me, because I'm going to bring you to God. This is where I'm going to take you. So all of these roads that lead to sin, I will always make a way for you. That's what the Bible says. There's no temptation that has overtaken man, but that, that Jesus will always make a way out for us. There's always a way out. So he brings this detour for us to find him in every situation. So there is no sin too far or no sin too difficult for Jesus not to handle because he overcame sin and death. So he gives us these detours so that we can find him, so that we can get to God, so that we can have this eternal life. So this detour is what Jesus did. He's the mediator. So now we can find true rest in Jesus. This is not restful. It's stressful. All of these sins that we have to juggle around and we have to keep tabs on, that's why we say if you lie, you have to lie about the lie and you have to remember the lie so that you can continue on in the lie. You know how stressful that is? It takes a toll on our bodies. So what Jesus does is he says, find rest in me, not trying to do all of these things. And without God diverting our sins or diverting sin from us so that sin would find its way to Jesus. Without that, without God doing this, then we would have no rest. 
And without God's intervention, we succumb to the wages of sin. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. Death. We die. Therefore, we find no true life because of death. And true life is only found in this discipleship with Jesus. It's a learning from him. If you're waiting for someone to get their act together to rest in so that you find true life or you can have a better life or if you're relying on a raise or a promotion to rest in so that you can have a better life or, or, or feel more at peace or if you're relying on the laws of man to change or who's in the White House so that it fits your ideals to rest in, so that you have a better life, you'll never be at rest. It's only found in Jesus. Only in Jesus will you find rest. Now, not sleep. Sleep, we can do. People sleep very well even without knowing Jesus. They have all these sleep apps. Some of you have these sleep apps because you have sleep apnea. So we have these, and I'm not saying anything's bad about that. Like there are certain apps, you listen to it, and there's this guy reading to you very calmly, and it sounds so soothing. And there's like, you know, the, like a, a rain falling in the background, little thunder, and then the, or, or like a river or something, and it's very soothing. Well, the reason why it's relaxing is because God created it that way. It's very relaxing. So I'm not saying that's wrong, but it does give us maybe physical rest. What Jesus is talking about is a spiritual rest, an inner calm, where there's, a, there's a, a peace. It's not about just having calm or no stress at all or no cares in the world. It's not about having no problems in life or problem-free life. It's when, we, it's when we experience his true life that we understand that even though we go through difficult times or loss of a loved one or tragedy, we do lose sleep. But there's, a, there's an inner peace that we can have even though we're lacking sleep. It's when things around us are not calm that we can still rest in Jesus. Or when we're stressed out, we still have a sense of security because we're resting in Jesus. No matter what is happening around us, we can always find rest in Jesus. That's why Matthew chapter 11, verse, two, verse 29, it, it tells us to take my yoke, and this is Jesus speaking, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, which is what Isaiah was talking about. I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You're going to find rest for your souls. See, this servant... Jesus, he, he bore the sins of the community. He bore the sins of those who were having the most difficult time. In the book of Levit Leviticus, and, and when he talked about having those sacrifices, there was a, a sacrifice that was made from the scapegoat. So the scapegoat was the animal in which when they would atone for the sins of the people, they would transfer the sins of the people to this goat and then let the goat run free into the wilderness. So that was a way of saying your sins are carried away. 
Your sins are no more. It is far from you. It is gone. So it took on the community's iniquities and wickedness into a solitary, literally meaning a, a cut-off land. It took it to a cut-off land, which is cut off from the land of the living. That's where the scapegoat would take the sins. We, because of Jesus, are in the land of the living. And Jesus became the scapegoat. So let's do this. The third thing is to focus on Jesus more than our sins. Now, now here's what we mean. Sometimes we focus so much on our sins, our past, what we've done wrong. Now, there is forgiveness that we need to ask for. There is forgiveness that we need to ask from one another or for each other or go to someone and say, hey, forgive me for that. There's that. It's not necessarily focusing on the sin. It's focusing on Jesus more than the sin and saying, Jesus, where am I? Well, you need to make this right with someone else. Okay, then I ask for forgiveness. But it's because we're focusing on Jesus that we can do that. And this detour, when we look at this detour for sin, eventually this detour is used for Jesus making his way to where sin would meet him. So because of this road now and this detour from sin to Jesus, all of these sins that he took on of the world, this is what happens when all the sins of the world and this detour that Jesus created for us, uh, for sin, for sin to find its way to Jesus, what happens is he clears the way for us to make our way to God. Why? Because he took care of sin. He took care of sin. So we have a clear path to God. And I know for many of us, it's hard for us to grasp because we're thinking, but we've, I've done so many bad things. Yeah, God knows that. But Jesus took on all the bad things. He took on all the sin of the world. You know what Jesus did so well? Is because the wages of sin is death. Jesus took on death, Right? He took on death. So Jesus gave sin the trophy of death because the wages of sin is death. So Jesus says, you want the greatest trophy? It's me. If you really want to have the wages of sin, I am true life. Therefore, in true life, can you only have a true death? And because of this true death, you and I, only in Jesus, can have true life because Jesus overcame even death. So when Jesus overcame death, and because we live in him, we experience true life. That is the only way we experience true life. And we find our way to the Father, where there is no life, you will find true death. But where there is no death, you will experience true life. Some of us know math. So let's just say, in a math equation, Jesus, how many sins does Jesus have? 
Zero. So he has zero sin. How many times have we sinned? I'll just throw out a number. I'm just throwing something out. Let's just average it out for all of us. Let's just say we sinned 20, 27,021 times in our life. Let's just say we sinned that much. Zero times any number equals maika'i. Zero. Anything times zero is zero. So Jesus had no sin. Zero sin. Absolutely none. So Jesus is true life. So if we live in him, it doesn't matter how much sin we have because zero times anything equals zero. Now let's look at what the scripture says. Not just math. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 gives us this hope. And it tells us that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be without fault in his eyes. He loved us and chose us to be without fault in his eyes. You know what that means to be without fault? Blameless, spotless, no wrinkles, no spot or blemish, which when they would sacrifice the animals, that's what they brought. They had to bring an animal without spot, without blemish, a perfect animal. The problem was they would have to continue to kill animals, and it only atoned for our sins. Why? Because it can only cover our sins. It never wiped away our sins because you needed a perfect life to appease a perfect death so that God in his power would be able to resurrect that person from death. Why? Because they had no sin in them. So death had no grip on them. So what Jesus does is he takes on the sins of the world, gives it to death. Death, you can have all the sin. The wages of sin is death. So you're paid in full. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And now we get to have access to God, even though we have 27,021 sins. Some of you may be more than that. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number. Some of us less than that. I want to finish with this. Because that's who Jesus is for us. This is why we can rest in him. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 tells us, and Jesus said these words, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So we can find rest in Jesus. That's why we focus on him more than our sins. You know, this word rest is a it's a Greek word, anapao. So, A-N-A-P-A-U-O. Anapao. You know what I like about this word for us who live in Hawaii? There's this word in here, pao. All pao. Done. Finished. Pao hana. We're done. Finished. Are you done? I pao. Pao. Pao already. So when you're pow, when you're done with something, you can rest. So when Jesus says, you can find rest for my soul, you can find rest for your soul. I know I'm taking it from this word, but all pow with our sins. Pow, pow already. 
Why, why go back? How? And someone says, hey, let's go do these things. And you're thinking, no, I have this new life in Christ. I pow with that. Pow. Done. Done with that. Hey, hey let's go do this. Hey, you used to do these things. Yeah, I pow already. Done. Finished. Why? Because I found rest in Jesus. I don't need to chase after all of these things. I found rest in him. That's going to be our prayer today. In fact, we have a couple of maybe some reflection and discussion if you want to discuss it with someone or maybe even take it to the Lord. What will resting in Jesus look like for you today? Or what detour can you take to lead you to experience true life? And as you rest in Jesus and as he strengthens you, how will that affect your life or family? See, this Greek word that is used it's not just to find rest. It's to cause to permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and to collect his strength. I think we need strength today. Would you pray with me as we conclude today? Heavenly Father, we need rest. We need rest for our souls so may we find rest in you and let us focus more on you than we do our past, our sins. Lord, help us to, to remember who you are. Not forget what you have done, but always come back to who you said you were, what was prophesied about you, what your word says, and, and who we are in you, that we can find rest in you. And I pray for anyone out there, Lord, that maybe that effort to rest in you and find rest in you that we've been lacking in. I pray, Lord, that we would do so. We would make every effort to find rest in you, that we would get into your word, learn from you, get involved in a group, connect with people, with other believers, so that in this community we can be discipled by you. Thank you for always showing us where true life can be found. So we, we take on your yoke because you're humble in heart. And in you, we can find rest for our souls. We thank you for always breathing life into us. And with you, Jesus, it is true life that we experience. So we pray for all of these things in your perfect name. And we all said together, amen.